0: And we're going to be talking about greater today, living a greater life for God. And we have two passages of Scripture. The first one is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. It's been our theme verse for the last five weeks. And then we're going to flip over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. But as we do here at City Church, we stand in the honor of reading God's Word. So will you stand with me this morning as we read the Bible? At, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4. I, I want to say something here. I, I like, I love, I don't just like, I love reading the Bible. I live to read the Word. It's just my life. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, I, I need it. It's my daily sustenance. And I do spend a lot of time, I'll read a large portion of Scripture, but there's something powerful when one verse gets in here. There's something powerful that transforms your life when the Bible goes from the head to the heart. And I'm praying that in 2019, okay, there's a guy named Coach Bill Belichick, right? Amazing coach, right? Super Bowl, nine times, amazing guy. I'm Coach Eugene today. I'm just there to say, Hi coach, Hi, coach Eugene. All right, and I want you to win. I want every person in this room to win in 2019. And if this passage, this one scripture gets into your spirit and your heart, you will win in 2019. You'll have a greater 2019. Here's the verse. 1 John chapter 4 verse number 4. You are of God little children and have overcome them because he, everyone say he. he, he who is in you is greater is greater than he that is in the world. The God of creation the God that spoke the worlds into existence. The God that sent his one and only son Jesus to die on a cross and rose from the grave on the third day. His resurrection power, his Holy Spirit, now lives and dwells inside of every person that calls on his name, and he's greater. Everyone say greater. Greater. He's greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Acts chapter 2, now verse number 42. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. The church has begun. This is the very first church experience 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. I want to talk to you on this one idea this morning living a life to win living for the win now i'm gonna pray this morning the last two times that i've prayed for teams from this platform they lost so tom brady better prayer my prayer don't work today no i'm just kidding let's pray father thank you this morning for your grace thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have had as a family to gather together and express our love to you We're so thankful for the gifts and the talents that were used today to bring us into your presence and praise and worship. We love you. Thank you for the generosity of your people that have made the mission of bringing your love to this city possible. And God, I pray today for this uh, intentional marriage conference. Thank you that you are strengthening and restoring and helping us to build healthy relationships and healthy marriages in this local church. We thank you for that today. Now, Lord... I pray for the New England Patriots. I pray for Tom Brady today. I pray that he doesn't get sacked, doesn't fumble, and doesn't stumble. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Come on, you may be seated. You may be seated. It's Super Bowl number 53. And what I can tell you today, I can tell you today that every man that's on the field, every man that's playing football today, this is going to be probably the greatest moment of their life. It's going to be an epic Sunday. For, you know, for some of these guys, they played in a couple of Super Bowls, Tom Brady in particular. He's, this will be his ninth Super Bowl. If they win today, he'll have six Super Bowl rings. There's only been 52 Super Bowls. He's already played in nine of them. I mean, that's just amazing. He's an amazing guy. But let me tell you today, every single one of the guys that will go on the field today, this will be a moment in their life that they will never forget. It'll be an epic moment. 30 years from now, when they're talking to the grandkids, they say, when I was a boy, <laughs> when I played for the, for the New England Patriots, or when I played for the Los Angeles Rams, we played back then the Super Bowl. And, and they'll recount the story, and they'll tell about the play, and they'll tell you that they rode the bench, and they get on on one play. They played that play. And you know who played that day? There was this guy named Tom Brady. He was the greatest quarterback that ever lived. And it'll be the epic moment of their life. And there are epic moments in our life. In the book of Acts, the passage that we just read, it was an epic moment in the history of the church. It was a moment of first. You know, today someone is, is going to be crowned the MVP. It's going to be the epic moment of their life. And they're going to stick a camera and a microphone in their face, and they're going to say, Tom Brady, where are you going today? And he's going to say, I'm going to Disney World. And someone's going to say that. There's going to be someone today. They're, it's an epic moment in their life. You know, when I look at people that play professional sports, there's, there's something in them that's different. A couple of years ago, we have a, a, a in the soccer season for the girls, there's a, there's a professional girls soccer team that practices right down the street here. And, and some of the, the, the young women will attend our church. And I've had the pleasure over the last couple of years of developing friendship and relationship and, and talking with them. And there's just, when you talk to these people that are playing professional athletics, they just think differently. I mean, they really have this strong desire to win. I mean, it's just a strong, I mean, and it's what causes them to spend countless hours on the practice field and get yelled at by coaches and train and exercise and spend time watching game film and, 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 be you know, just all those kinds of things. There's this internal drive. I was reading People Magazine this week. They were talking about Tom Brady and this drive that he's had inside of him to win since he was a little kid. They said when he was nine years of age, he was playing golf with his dad, and he hit a bad shot. And he said that I took the golf club and I smashed it in the ground until I broke. He said, my, grab, my dad grabbed me by the neck. And he said, if you ever do that again, you will never play any sports. Ooh, that's a pretty good dad. And I mean, he literally yanked him right off the golf course right then. And so we're going to teach you how to play sports. And it was a kind of a cool little story. But he talked about this internal drive that he has to win inside of him. There is something inside of every person that calls on the name of Jesus. There is a desire inside of you for a greater life in God. Now, here's the difference. For the people that play professional sports, whatever pinnacle they're shooting for, whether it's a Super Bowl or a World Championship or you know, whatever their goal, whatever the ultimate goal of their life, generally when they reach that goal, that's the greatest moment of their life. But for the believer today, for the Christian today, that's not the way that works. The fact is the epic moments of our life are not the end, they're actually the beginning or the starter of a greater life in God. Let me give you an example. Go to the Bible. Go all the way back. Uh, Let's go to, let's start with Moses. We could go even farther back with Moses, but let's start with Moses. All right, Moses is this guy that God taps on the shoulder, says, listen, I I got a mission for you. I got a life for you to live. It's not the life that you used to live. I have a destiny for you. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. You know the story. Charleston Heston, he goes to Pharaoh, and no, I'm just kidding. He goes and, you know, but Moses goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh doesn't want to let him go, and so there's this conflict, there's this battle, there's this tension. And finally, after 10 plagues are poured out on Egypt, Pharaoh finally agrees to let Moses take the children of Israel out of captivity, out of bondage, into something greater, the promised land. And there's a moment. There's an epic moment in Moses' life. Uh, Pharaoh agrees to let him go. He runs. He changes his mind. He decides to get the armies of Egypt. He's going to run after them. He's chasing them. They get all the way to the Red Sea. Get all the way to the Red Sea. And the epic moment takes place in, in Charleston Hessen's life. He has to lift up his rod. And when Moses lifts up that rod, the Bible says the Red Sea, the waters parted. And not only did Moses, but all the children of Israel, over three million people, walked across walked across on dry ground all the way to the other side. Everyone say epic. I mean, that's an epic moment. That's an amazing moment. But here's the deal. That wasn't the end of Moses' journey. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of a new beginning, of a new start that God had for his people, that he was going to take him from captivity and to the promised land. Someone said amen. Let's look at Joshua. Joshua, he's the successor to Moses, right? Joshua has this, uh, has this calling on his life. Moses couldn't take him in. There were things that happened in Moses' life. He couldn't take them all in. So Joshua has the responsibility to take the children of Israel, not only up to the promised land, but to go all the way in. And so on the way, there's some battles they gotta fight. Do you know in your life, if you are going to win, you must fight some battles, there are some things in your life that you must learn to overcome. There are some habits, there's some wrong thinking, there's some wrong mindsets, there's some brokenness, there's some hurts, there's some things in your life. If you are going to live to win, if you're gonna have a greater life in God in 2019, there's some things that you must overcome. And the Bible says that they get to this place called Jericho. Jericho was an impregnable city. It was surrounded by these really thick walls. It had these guards that were on it, trying to were, were keeping their enemy out. And it was impossibility. But God said, I want you to go in and conquer Jericho. So Jericho gets the children of Israel. He convinces them to march around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day, on the seventh day, they blow the trumpets, boom, the walls fell down. And Joshua takes the children of, uh, of Israel and leads them into victory in the battle of Jericho. But here's the deal. That wasn't the end of Joshua's life. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of a new start, of a greater destiny, a greater life that God had in store for Joshua. How about King David? David, the greatest, greatest leader, spiritual leader that Israel ever had. In just a couple of weeks, Laura and I, we're going to celebrate her 60th birthday, and we're taking her back to Israel. We're going to stay at the King David Hotel. I mean, they still, I mean, you know, 2,000, 4,000 years later from this guy's life, they still have hotels named after this guy. David, 17 years of age, just a little shepherd boy. All of a sudden, he finds himself in the middle of an opportunity. It was an epic moment of his life. There was a man by the name of Goliath. He was, he was 10 feet tall. He was a giant of a man. And he had been taunting and tormenting the children of Israel. Hear me today. If you choose to live a greater life for God, you will have an enemy that will tell you that it's impossible, that it can't be done, that there's no way for you to win. You're gonna be the same person that you've always been. But David didn't believe that. You see, David had a call. David had a destiny. God had anointed him to be king, and he stood before that Goliath. When no one else would, David stood up, and he said, I'll go to battle. I'll fight against him. The Bible says on his way to the battle, he grabs five stones, takes them out of the river bank, and there he goes up to this giant Nebuchadnezzar Goliath. And Goliath is cursing, and he's mocking, and he's making fun of this little runny, this little small, little tiny runt. David looks at him and he said, the same God that delivered me from the lion and the bear is the same God that's going to deliver me from you this day. And in that moment, he takes that sling with one stone. Come on. He winds it back and he flings that stone. Bam! And it knocks that giant to the ground. In one epic moment. One epic moment. One guy's life ends and another guy's life begins because God had something greater for David. David would go on and become the greatest military leader that the children of Israel ever had. God has something greater for you today. Come on, God has something greater for you today. That's how God works. Uh, Think of this Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It was just, yeah, it was an epic moment. We celebrate Christmas. We just came out of the Christmas season. It's a beautiful season. And we love remembering the birth of Christ. But let me tell you, that wasn't the end. That was just the beginning of something greater that God had in store for Jesus. Think of Jesus' life. Lives a sinless, perfect life. Only does good. Heals the sick. Casts out devils. I mean, does it amazing things. Everywhere he went, the Bible said he did good. And for that, they nailed him to a tree. Why? He shook up the religious order. He took up men's religiosity and the way that they thought and their little cubicles that they tried to put God in. And they made God, Jesus made God bigger. Jesus made God who he was. He was God of gods and Lord of lords. He was the God that was able to make the impossible possible. Not everyone likes it. Not everyone likes to hear the message. For that, they nailed Jesus to the tree. But let me tell you, the tree couldn't hold him, death couldn't hold him, the grave couldn't hold him. Come on, I said, I'm, I, "I lay down my life, no man takes my life from me." And on the third day he rose from the dead. It was an epic moment. It was an epic moment. The resurrected Christ is an epic moment in history, but it wasn't the end. It was the beginning of something greater, not just in Jesus' life, but in your life and in my life, and in every person who calls on the name of Jesus today <laughs> wasn't the end, it was the beginning. Now we find ourselves in the church. We find ourselves in the book of Acts. 50 days after Christ had risen from the dead, 50 days, just 50 days, 50 days, the the disciples of Jesus find themselves in Jerusalem. And so the text we read this morning is Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, talking about the disciples gathering together. But let me tell you, Fifty days before that, it wasn't that way. Fifty days before that, there was confusion. Fifty days before that, they weren't, underst- uh, they weren't sure of their purpose. They weren't sure of what just happened. Jesus had died on the cross. It didn't make any sense. The life that they were living, they didn't understand. But Jesus had something greater in store for them. Uh, I've got a little PSA, a little PSA that's going to help me this morning. You know what a PSA is, a public service announcement? And so I want you to check this out. I want you to listen to this real quick. Now it's going to be rough. It's going to feel like it's going on for a long time. So it's going to be hard to stay alert. It's going to be even harder to be quiet. But you have to do both. You have to do every single thing I say or we will not make it. Understand. We have to do. Thank you, Sandra, for that PSA. I want to give you, I'm going to give you quickly here this morning. I'm going to give you three, maybe four. We'll see how far we get here. Three or four things that are going to help us to live to win in 2019. The first thing that has to happen, and every person, the first thing that has to happen in your life is you got to get in the game. Everyone say get in the game. You got to get in the game. Acts chapter two, verse 38. This is actually the beginning of, this, of this, this text that I just read in verse number 42, but what has taken place here is that Peter has an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the one who is greater. Peter and the disciples, 120 of them, are radically transformed. The this, this story, you know, people have preached about Pentecost and receiving the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we get stuck 2,000 years ago. No, no, it's not a story for 2,000 years ago. It's a story for you and I for today. And Peter goes from a life of not having not understanding his purpose not knowing why he was on the planet really not having a sense of significance living in defeat and failure had actually denied Jesus denied that he knew Jesus 3 times Fifty days later, because the one who is greater came and transformed his life, came and took him from a troubled person to a transformed person, came and took him from a mess of a person to a person with a message—a saving message of hope for his generation. The Bible says that Peter, he stands up after he receives the power of the Holy Spirit, after he makes the decision to obey Christ. After he makes that decision, he stands up in Jerusalem. When you go to Jerusalem, they take you on these tours and they take you to the place where they believe that Peter actually preached this message. There were thousands, hundreds of thousands of devoted Jewish followers were in Jerusalem and Peter stands up and he says this to them. Change your life. Get in the game. Get in the game. You want to win today? You want to live a greater 2019? Change your life. How do you change your life? Turn to God. Turn. I want to say, turn. turn, turn to God. If you read a King James or a New English Standard version of the Bible, it would actually use the word repent. Change the way that you think about God. You've been thinking all wrong. God's too small in your life. God's not significant in your life. You've been living for yourself. No, no, no. you got to change the way that you think. Turn towards God. And the initial sign that you've turned towards God is that you've gone into the pool of baptism. It's why we challenge every person that said yes to Jesus to get water baptized. Because there's something that happens in that moment. You make a public identification with the whole world that I'm no longer living this life, I'm now a new person in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, all things, all things have become new. Change your life, be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins can be forgiven. It's a personal decision. And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children, but also to those who are afar off. Personal decision to follow God. And then notice the next thing he says. He said, this is what God wants for you today. God wants you to win, but you can't do it on your own. You need his power. You need his presence. You need his spirit. We are leaky vessels encountering the Holy Spirit one time in my life wasn't enough. I need a fresh encounter every day. Someone texted me on on Friday, and they they said, uh, would you pray for me? And I just stopped right then, and I said, I'm going to pray for that person. I prayed for that person right then, and I recognize that all of us in this room, we need more of God. Receive the Holy Spirit. We open our heart to receive all that God has for us. We can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We're not educated enough. We're not equipped enough. We need his spirit like we need oxygen. We need the breath of God. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive every gift, every good and pleasant gift that the Father has for you today. And then notice what he said. This isn't just for you. The reason that your win is so important The reason that you win is so significant is because it's not just for you today, but it's for the next generation. Everyone say next generation. Come on, this promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off. Today, you choosing to get in the game not only has the potential to change your life, it has the potential to change the lives of those around you. The second thing that I want you to see this morning, if we're going to live to win, is we must be people who stay in authentic community. Authentic community. Now, in the church world, and when we speak Christianese, and that's what happens when you get inside of a church building, when you're out there, people are saying blah, 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 this, that, and you know, you get in the church world, we have our own language here. So if you're new to this culture, we're sorry, but you will catch on eventually. <laughs> we try not to do that. We try to just be real here. But this is a term that we use in our, in our church world. We talk about being authentic. I'm just authentic. The challenge is, the challenge is, for most guys, that's a, that's a great tall order. That's a great, for us to get really bare wire in our life. But I want you to look at this verse in verse number 42 here. Put that verse back up. All the believers everyone say all i want you just everyone they were all committed to this they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship this word fellowship here in the greek is koinonia. it literally means communion or community and it has a deep sense of deep sense of relationship deep sense i have found for me as a man i have found the deepest closest relationships that i've developed and serving God, or been with people that I've gone on mission trips with. Uh, a couple of years ago, there's a group of guys here, a couple of girls, but mostly guys, we went to Jamaica. And what happens on a, when you're on a mission trip, and you're serving, and you know, you're in a different culture, and you know, you're not in your own bed, and there's no hot water, and maybe the toilets work, maybe they don't work. And, and every place you go, you know, I've been to Haiti, and that thing, that's a, little, that's a little different. And, you know, the different places that I've been, it's just all a little different. But there's something that happens. You get kind of like this shoulder-to-shoulder experience. And I remember we were in Jamaica a couple years ago, and, uh, and there was a drink that the Jamaicans served us. It was called ting. Anybody ever, ever had ting before? Because it ain't nothing but a ting, man. It ain't nothing but a ting. Come on. Everyone say, ain't nothing but a ting. It ain't nothing but a ting. And so we just started saying it. And we've, we drank so much ting... We had a little local store right down the street from where we were painting, and we cleared out every single bottle of Tang that they had. Like, like, like the store manager—we're all Tango. Well, there's a bunch of white guys down there—they're drinking Tang. Ain't nothing but a Tang. You have this connection. You start to build community. You start to have authenticity, relationships. Women like face to face, and that's good. And, and but, but for men, we tend to need to work shoulder to shoulder, get alongside of one another. And for you to be in community, for you to be in relationship, for you to have honest, bare-wire conversation in your life, it requires that you make a choice to spend time with other people. This last week, there was a report that came out. It was in the Washington Post, New York Times, in one of those magazines, one of those newspapers. And it came out, and the report was, that Stanford University, a New, a New, York, Univer- New, uh, New York University, paid a thousand people a hundred and two dollars to disconnect from social media for one month. Thousand people. They, they got a thousand people to agree: no Insta, no Snap, no Twitter, no, you know, none of that, right? For, for no Facebook for one month. And you know what? You know what the, the interesting thing was that at the end of that month, they found that of the thousand people. For the most part, most, and they were completely disconnected, so they didn't know social media. For the most part, they had a happier month. They had less conflict with people. They had felt less, they felt less tension about the political environment that we're in. They were generally happier at large. It was really cool. You know, the other, the the interesting thing to me was that after the one month, most of them, because they didn't get paid the next month to do it, most of them went back to social media. Isn't that interesting? They went back to a sad life. They went back to a mad life. I bless God. I can Hey, listen. If you live your life on social media, don't. <laughs> like, just don't. Keep the, save the drama, man. Just take it to your mama, all right? Jesus, help us. I'm going to get preaching on here. And listen, I do, it. you know, I, I do less now. I've had seasons, I've done more. I get it, I get what we're communicating. We're, and for me, I'm trying to encourage people, I try to put a scripture verse, your daily word, that kind of thing. But God has something greater for you. And if you're stuck, you know, and it's, it's, it's not Facebook, you know, it's really fake book, right? I mean, it's fake book, that's not real. Photoshop, I mean, all that. And I got like 15,000 pictures in my camera right now. And most of them, stink. Like they're just bad. Lighting's bad. I look bad. Everybody in the picture looks bad. We don't post those. I'm picking the one that makes me look like, you know, Tom Brady. You know? (laughs) Ah, That's the way we're hardwired. We want to put our best foot forward. So we're an authentic community. We have a decision to make about our relationships. And here's what happens. Here's what happens when we get in community with other people. We start to have real genuine conversations we start to have just real genuine conversations i i had a couple of experiences in the last two weeks that have helped shape my thinking on this uh one of them was this last friday i went to the store and i was going to purchase something and the young lady that was at the, that was serving me at the store she recognized me and so you know because it's just the way it goes it's my role and i'm a pastor the world is my parish, I believe, like Wesley said. Everywhere I go, I have a responsibility to share the gospel and the love of Christ. And, and so I, I was, you know, talking to her, and she started talking about, oh, she's telling me about her life, and she's going to get married. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And, hey, by the way, do you guys do premarital counseling? Yeah, we, we do that. And she goes, well, do you do it? I said, well, we have people at the church to take care of that, and they'd love to help you in that area. And then she started telling me about the marriage. And all of a sudden, in this moment, I just felt this need to be really real with her, like just really... You know, I like to use the term bare wire, but just be truthful. Because Jesus said that we're to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Do you have anybody that's speaking the truth to your life that tells you when you're doing something stupid? Come on, do you have anybody that really can't? You know, that's dumb. Like, if you do that right there, you know that's not going to end up. Do you have anybody that's really truthful? I mean, that's a decision to let someone speak into your life like that. No, they got to love you. I got a lot of people that tell me the truth. I want a few just to love me now, come on. (laughs) A lot of people will tell you the truth, but do they love you? Do they love you? And I just, at a moment, the Holy Spirit just really spoke to my heart to really dig a little deeper. And I spoke something really, I felt like, man, it was like way, it was, for somebody that I really didn't know, man, I was out there. And the reason that I did that, because I had an experience. Two weeks ago, Miss Laura and I went over to the Action Church, Night of Action, and they had a great service on a Friday night, and they had a pastor from Alabama that was there, and he preached, did a great job, and we we're enjoying the worship, and afterwards, there was a group of pastors, we were all meeting in the back room, and one of the pastor's wives came up to me, she said, Pastor Eugene, she was so excited, so full of joy, I mean, she was just, so, she goes, I gotta tell you something, she goes, there's this person out there, there's a girl out there, she wants to talk to you, I said, oh, awesome, that's great, I'll talk to her, and, Shoes, so, she goes, I just got to tell you what happened. She said, you had this conversation with her, and because of that, her life was ever the same. I said, cool, I want to meet her. And, and so I went out, and uh, can you put the picture up here? Put this picture. This, this young lady, her name is Rebecca. I don't remember meeting Rebecca, but Rebecca worked at Chick-fil-A three years ago. And at, uh, I was at Chick-fil-A, and I was ordering, and, and she just, you know, she looked really sad. And, and, and so my, my wife and her, we kind of have a little game, like when we have a waitress or a waiter that's hard. You know, we have somebody that serves us that they're not very happy. We try to make them happy. My wife's really good at it, man. She's got all kinds of little jokes and tries to bring them in. She can just turn the relationship, just turn the conversation with the person. And she seemed really discouraged. And I saw her name tag. Her name was Rebecca. And so she said that I would started telling her about her life and, you know, what Rebecca meant in the Bible. And that God had a great destiny for her and a great plan. And I didn't think anything of it. Never would have thought of this person in my life before. Rebecca told me, she said, Pastor Eugene, she said, after you talked to me that day, she said, the next week, I was in a terrible car accident. She said, I I didn't know God. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And she said, the words that you spoke to me, that God had a plan for my life, it so shook me that when I, I got out of that car accident, I got out of the hospital, she said, the next week, I went to church, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm serving in the local church, and I'm involved. And I just, I mean, it blew me away. I thought, one authentic, meaningful conversation. One authentic conversation, and a life was changed. I would have never known. I would have never known. And see, here's the deal. When we live to win, when we're not just living for ourselves, and our little world, and our little dream, and our little bank account, and our uh, uh, our little career, but when we begin to expand, and allow God to do greater in our life. Because greater is He than it is us, than He that is in the world. But when God starts to do greater in our lives, not only is your life transformed, but the next generation is transformed. And the message of hope, and the message of love, and the message of God's grace, and the message that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus reconciles, Jesus brings hope to a generation, goes on and on and on, until Jesus returns Himself. So I got two of the four. You're going to have to come back next week, maybe. Wow. Authentic. Being real. Here's the deal. None of us in this room have it figured out. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. And some of you in this journey, you're just, maybe you're over here. You're just starting. I I was there. I was there. I can tell you when the epic moment turned to my life. I can tell you the day that the the start of a new beginning happened for me. I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate that my encounter with God was so radical. It wasn't a gradual thing. It was transformational radical. And So I can take you back to a day. Noah, can you put the picture up of that? that, I was supposed to do it a long time ago, but you put that picture up of the little clip there. No, not that one. Go way back. Go way back to the beginning of the message. The day after. Nope. There you go. This is the day that my life got real. This is the day that my life got real. There was a movie that was playing, I don't know if it was NBC or ABC, I think it was NBC. There was a movie playing on November 20th, 1983. It was called The Day After. And here's the thing about this movie. It, when they showed this movie, over 100 million people, over 100 million people watched this movie. Some of you old timers, you've been around, you might have remember, remember this. I mean, this was the talk of the nation. This movie was the talk of the nation. It had more eyeballs look at this movie than any, up up to that point, than any movie that had been broadcast on public television. Because it had to do with this topic. It was very graphic and very real. What happened if a nuclear bomb went off in wherever it was, New York City or L.A. or wherever it was. and, And it shook the country. And on this day, on this day, God was doing something with a guy down in Tucson, Arizona. God was shaking my life. It was just two days before this that the Holy Spirit began to really speak to me and and began to convict me of my sin, and I knew that things weren't right. and I laid in bed on November 18th after three or four days of binge drinking and drugging and all that kind of stupid stuff, And, and I laid in bed, and I said, God, if you're really real, show yourself to me. The night of this movie that played, I was living with my grandmother. I was far from God. My grandmother was a little Jewish lady. She was about four about nine at this time. She started at 4'11 and she got to 4'6 by the time she left earth. And she knew that I needed something greater in my life. She knew that I needed something greater. She made me. She pushed me out the door. She said, you got to go to church tonight. She wasn't even a Christian. She knew that I needed something. She pushed me out the door and I went to church that night. And the greatest day, my epic moment became the first day of the greatest days of the rest of my life. Come on. And that's what God wants to do. When you have epic moments of God, It's not the end. It's just the beginning of something greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God today in this room is speaking. Some of you have been on the sideline too long. God wants you to get in the game. It's time to get real about where you are and who you are because he is real. His name is Jesus. He's come to save. He's come to bring you hope. He's come to bring you life. He's come to give you a new beginning. Come on. And here's the deal. You're not powerless. He has a gift. He has a gift that he wants to give you. It's his Holy Spirit. You're not alone. We're not doing this on our own. Come on, you can't do this. It's impossible to step from this life to this life, to a new beginning, to a new start. It takes the power of God's Spirit. And right now, today, some of you are in the Valley of Decision. Some of you have been sitting on the sideline. But God's put something inside of you. And you've heard this today. And you're ready to take that next step. Come on. Change the way you think about God. Change the way you think about God today. I want you to close your eyes.